Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm so delighted that I'm well enough to make a commitment I made to you several months ago to be here on the first Sunday of October, but I was physically unable to function. I'm happy to say that this is the second Sunday in a row that I've been able to officiate at a Sunday morning service, which is the first time since late September when I began chemotherapy. Um, it was wonderful to have Bishop Ackerman uh, on such short call notice that he came in my place uh, in October, and I'm grateful for him helping out in a parish visitation for me over in Dallas uh, this morning. As you probably know, I received a wonderful report from the oncologist on Friday uh, showing that after three sessions of chemotherapy, my tumors in, in tissue and several bone places has been reduced by over 80%. I'm sitting because I'm still subject to getting swelling in my legs and ankles and feet, and so the doctor says just stay off your feet and keep them elevated when you can. Um, it's important for me to be here to thank you all for your prayers. I know that many of you have communicated that uh, you were praying for me and my family, and I appreciate that a great deal. Keep praying. God is answering our prayers. And I have three more sessions of chemotherapy to go, which will take me through the end of January into February. And by that time, rather than being in what he calls partial remission, I'll be in full remission, which will be something to celebrate. As a precautionary thing, I'm told we'll do several uh, weeks of radiation after that, but I, I don't know what that entails yet. So I want to thank you for your prayers. And uh, I also understand that at the time I was supposed to be here, you were having a special celebration for me uh, in honor of my 25th anniversary of consecration. And some of my family was here uh, and told me you had nice things to say about me, which is <laughs> always a relief. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to tell you is, is I, I plan to retire at the end of next year. December 31st, which means that this may well be my last Sunday morning visitation as your diocesan bishop. We elect a new bishop on June 1st. He'll be consecrated in late September. And my uh, visitation schedule for next year is all the way completed so that when the new bishop is on, I'll step back and he will start making those visitations. So I think the new bishop will be here um, the next time you have a, a, a visitation from the bishop for confirmation. It's, it's possible that that will change, but I think this will be my last Sunday visitation. I've been honored to serve with you for uh, low these uh, many years, a quarter of a decade, um, and I want to say how wonderful my memories are of the beginning of this church, uh, your days in the other location, your, your exciting move here, and you're still a work in progress. And I'm glad to see the, the growth and see the vision for uh, the future which you and your clergy and vestry have put before you. All good things uh, are before you and our diocese. Our theme this year in the diocese is from Jeremiah where God promises us hope and a future. And uh, we take all that to heart as we celebrate this Advent season, which is a, a season of promise 
and uh, the hope of deliverance. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, as a, a very young new priest, I was not only curate in a downtown church, but one day a week I traveled to the next town to teach religion at an Episcopal day school, St. Stephen's Church School in Bradenton. And I taught uh, from the kindergarten level up to the sixth grade level, beginning with the kindergartners and ending the day with the sixth graders. And I can only tell you it was much more of a joy to have the morning with the little ones than the <laughs> afternoon with the middle school age people. Um, but I remember distinctly one year in Advent, I thought that I would teach a course on the prophets of the Old Testament. And it had to be geared to different age groups. And I started out with the, the morning group, the lower classes, and I said, does anybody here know what a prophet is? And one little boy waved his arm and wiggled and jumped and said, I know, I know, I know. I said, so what is a prophet? He says, that's when you sell something and you make money from it. <laughs> Banker's child, I guess. I don't know. Well, today is Prophet Sunday, we might call it. But it doesn't have to do with making money on the sale of something for a prophet. It has to do with the prophets of the Old Testament. And as you know, uh, the, these are messengers of God who declared a word from the Lord to the people of the Lord. We began today with the colic for the second Sunday of Advent, which takes up this theme. It says, Merciful God, who did send thy messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins. And then in, in the gospel reading from St. Luke, this theme of the prophets declaring a word from the Lord is the theme of the appearance of John the Baptist, the first prophet in a long time uh, to speak out in God's name. And as the gospel today tells us, John was fulfilling the words of another prophet, the great prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There had been no prophet in Israel for over 400 years. And suddenly, here John the Baptist steps forward and begins to speak and dress and act like one of the prophets of old. The practice of prophecy in the Old Testament goes back, I suppose you'd say, to Moses. Moses, it might be said, was the first prophet. But then there came this long line of other prophets, many of whom have books in the Bible named for them which contained their prophecies. And the thing that makes them similar is that they all were possessed, yes, possessed, by the Spirit of God. And they could not help but declare, no matter what the personal cost to themselves or how it would be received by the people, they could not help but proclaim God's message to his people. And there's a repeating pattern about prophecy in the Old Testament. In times of prosperity, 
when all was well, Israel tended to wander away from God and drift into paganism, to worship other gods, to fall into false prophets and idolatry. And in such times of prophecy which led to disobedience, God would send a prophet with the call to repent, to turn around, to reconsider, and to return to the pure ways of Yahweh. And so the prophecies who appeared during those times were prophecies of anger and the fear of impending judgment. We might call them prophets of hell, fire, and damnation. They warned Israel that if they didn't change their ways and return to the Lord, they would be utterly destroyed. And so there is this theme in the Old Testament of what we might call angry, judgmental prophecy. Prophets of judgment and punishment if Israel didn't have a second heart and change of mind. On the other hand, this pattern was replaced when Israel is defeated, punished, and in despair, when Israel was occupied by foreign gods, or in exile in Babylon, when Israel knew a time that the holy city Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed because of their unfaithfulness, in such times God sent a different kind of prophet, a prophet who had a message of consolation and of hope, a prophet who promised in the midst of despair that there would be deliverance and restoration to the former glory of God's people in Jerusalem. And so the point I want to make about this theme of prophecy today, I think, is that we continue in the church the tradition of the biblical prophets, and primarily it is continued in the preaching of the Word of God Sunday by Sunday by your clergy. And it might be said that the purpose of prophecy is the purpose of good preaching. And that is, the Word of God proclaimed in such a way that it comforts the troubled, but it troubles the comfortable. Surely there are times when you and I need God to do one or the other in our lives. Sometimes we need help and strength because we are afflicted and in trouble and we cry out to God for His grace and help. But many other times, you and I are like Israel in times of prosperity. We tend to think everything's going smoothly and think very little about God and our dependence upon Him. Such times lead to medi mediocrity, of uh, lukewarmness, and even of self-centeredness. It's not unusual for a person in time of prosperity when everything is going well, in fact, to become very lapsed about their life in church. Who needs God? It's smooth sailing all ahead. And at such times as that, we need God to stir us up, to wake us out of our mediocrity, to call us out of our laxity, to awaken us from our spiritual slumber and recall us to self-examination, confession, and repentance. So on this Prophet's Sunday, 
The Advent season calls us to remember the message of John the Baptist and all the prophets and the faithful proclamation of the gospel by your clergy Sunday by Sunday. Make way for the coming of the Lord. Prepare to receive the one who comes to judge us if we do not repent and to save us by his mercy when we do. Make ready your hearts and your souls to welcome Jesus once again as he comes as Savior and Redeemer, born for us in Bethlehem. John and the prophets of old remind us we have a continual need for repentance and the amendment of life. As Christians, we're called to a lifelong process of conversion, of daily forsaking our sins and centering more and more on God and others than on ourselves. We're called to a lifelong process of grace that changes us and transforms us in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. To think less and less about ourselves and what we might get from others and more and more about others and what we might give to them. Advent's a busy season, a time of much activity which can distract us from this theme of the prophets. There are many valuable and important seasonal preparations which I enjoy as much as you do. The sending of Christmas cards and being in touch with old friends and distant family members. The buying of gifts and the joy of children. The decorating of our homes, our sharing in numerous holiday parties and all the rest. But the theme of prophecy in the season of Advent reminds us of another side of preparation, spiritual preparation, preparation of our spirit and our heart and our soul. And without that inner preparation, all the rest is shallow and empty and sparkling tinsel that soon fades away. What changes would God have you make in your personal life today as you prepare to meet the Savior? What sins need to be confessed and turned away from? What areas of darkness need the light of Jesus Christ to shine upon you and enlighten you? And what areas of self-centeredness need to be replaced by a consistent pattern of God-centeredness which is always expressed in other-centeredness. Heed the warnings of John and the prophets. Forsake your sins, that you may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ and our Redeemer when he comes to save and deliver us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.